This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! <laughs> Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international, local. Now, we talk about sports, we talk about development, we talk about gut health, we talk about mental health, and we talk about everything related behind the scenes, in the locker room, the psychology, and all that and more. And today, it's an honor to have members from the Pakistani women's national team here with me today. And Maria's not here. Which is great. So that means I'm going to have the following people on the show Khadija Khasmi, Zara Shah, Hadra Khan, Sarah Ali, and Mashal Hussain on the show here on the only place to be at three the halftime show with Punts 95. This is the halftime show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire this is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! It's time! Salam, welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. I am your host, coming everything sport, international, local, wherever you're tuned in around the world, whether it's 95FM, Pulse95Radio.com, our app. Charger Broadcasting Authority. Thank you for chilling at home watching us live on YouTube. Thank you very much for connecting with us. And what an honor to have another international team on the show, but this time standing up for a whole different story. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, I'm going to introduce them one by one and I'm going to ask them questions one by one. And anyone else who wants to jump in, please feel free. Right. A lot has been publicized about the current affairs in Pakistani football. Khadija, what's been happening out there exactly? Um, where do I start? So I think a month ago, uh, we got together because the national championship was happening and this is an annual championship, which the Federation does. What this leads to is people getting selected for the Pakistan national team. And what was happening was that we were being told that, you know, football activity would be starting again um, in the country. So we were here, um, we were in the quarterfinals and just before that, um, on Saturday, um, a political faction which claimed that they should be running the Federation um, ambushed the Federation House apparently seized all assets um, and that led them to uh, cancel the National Women's Championship. Um, so that happened um, and that led the, the players and feel very um, obviously disheartened. I don't think we have words. It was a very, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Um, we never thought that this is something that would be happening. Um, and then there was word that you know the the other faction which has you know taken over the federation house is going to continue with the national championship um but there was no official communication so this is all coming through you know people you know one person who's saying that we're leading it and then you know them orchestrating it 
Um, but the team managers obviously, um, you know, got together and were told that, you know, we're going to, you know, finish this out because you guys were in the middle of it. Um, we will make sure all the payments are made, but in a few days, not there and then. Um, but we'll, we'll try and finish it out. Um, but that led a lot of the players to, to feel a you know threatened because safety was a concern the way they took over the federation house but not only that because it took away the legitimacy of the tournament and the championship and what it did was if they really cared about football development they would not have a taken over the federation house that way and not in between the women's championship right before the quarterfinals and it so it's been a long, a long journey, but I think there's a lot been happening and it's very um, to try and explain the series of events because this is not only the first time that it's happened in the history of Pakistani football. We were banned a few years ago because of the same party that had come in um, and the government intervening and FIFA obviously does not um, agree with third party interference. So we got banned then and even before in 2015, we went through something very similar. Um, and I think Hadra might be able to explain that better because she was right there when the Federation House was being, you know, taken over. Um, but so just to then go into what it happened was that it left all of us with a choice. We did not feel that this was right, um, but we were also being forced to play um, a lot of, you know, uh, players' power was, you know, is not something that's known here. Choice is not known as much. Um, as a player, you're just supposed to do what your coach is telling you. The coach is, you know, uh, making sure that all the players are doing it, and they, the manager is making sure that the coach only does one thing. So it doesn't really work from the bottom up. And football is really about more about the people rather than, you know, all of the the other parties. Mm. But unfortunately, it's been very different in Pakistan. Um, what's the current status at the moment? Sarah, I know you're there as well. Um, what, what's the current status of the tournament out there? Uh, so essentially what's happened is that uh, three out of the four semi-finalists, they've withdrawn their participation from the competition. Um, that basically leaves one team. So I guess uh, if the federation recognizes the championship, um, they'll be declared winners, I guess. Okay, okay. So then with three teams going out, that means that there's only one team left. But is this is that even uh, is that even relevant at this point when there's no teams left to play? So, in fact, I actually don't think from my perspective that it's relevant because um, nobody has any idea whether this championship means anything, whether there will actually be prize money um, and for the federation to, you know, basically fulfill all the payments that they've, uh, like the expenditures that they've already incurred. Um, nobody has any idea. I think it's very unclear to me um, what's going to happen next. And I'm sure it's unclear to a lot of people. Like coming up next, we're going to dive a little bit more deeper into the tournament, the history of the tournament and the mental side of the tournament on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse 95. Is the halftime show with Omar Adouri? Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the halftime show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! <laughs>
Salam and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Al-Duri. Now, I've had international players, I've had international coaches, I've had scientists, I've had physiotherapists, I've had all sorts of people. But it's not every day I have the Pakistan international women's team here. Some of the superstars from the tournament that was currently happening and also across the regime from new to old. Right, okay, Zara, you're new to this setup at the moment. Now, when entering this tournament, what was your goal coming into this tournament? Um, yeah, so I actually heard that if we get to play in this tournament, um, there's a chance then that you can get selected for the national team. So I've actually had um, an injury recently um, that I got surgery on on my ACL and I've been recovering from that. But I really wanted to try and get fit to be able to be in with a chance to, you know, one day represent the country because, I mean, there hasn't been much football going on there for such a long time as Khadija already explained. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of, it was all very last minute um, because of COVID, you know, when the tournament would actually be put on and that kind of stuff. So I just trained a little bit and trying to make my way over and see what chances we had. So luckily I was put in, like I came in with Maria, so we were on a decent team. Um, to be able to get that recognition to go, hopefully, I mean, we would have wanted to go all the way. Um, but like, you know, then chances of getting seen were definitely higher that way. So I took a month off work and kind of just flew out with Maria. Interesting. So putting a lot of things aside for a sport um, that you love, obviously, and, and, and with some fantastic players as well. And one of those mm-hmm. fantastic players happens to be uh, the captain and also someone that's been in a couple of the campaigns leading up to it. Um, Hadra, the beautiful game is based on several factors, and we often speak about the demands of the physical. But what were the challenges you faced mentally coming into this tournament? Now, go ahead, Hadra. Can you hear me? Yes. If that was good, I want you to repeat it. <laughs> all right. No, I'm saying it's actually a pretty, um, pretty interesting question because that's what I've been thinking about all day um, about how, when the championship was announced, um, or how the championship was announced and then delayed like two, two, twice at least. Um, I kind of was falling out of love, or or that or that compassion that I usually play the championship with. Um, it took a fight to get into it. It took a fight to uh, go to camp, start training. And then I kind of got a habit of it and I realized why I've been doing it. Um, and I started playing. But as soon as we started the championship, I had the strongest gut feeling that something was going to go wrong. And um, it was just, it was in the air and I felt it real hard. And I think I actually shared it with a couple of friends who were not football related. Um, and then finally, when, you know, um, it happened, I was ecstatic. Training, um, well, actually, it was a bit difficult for me to start the championship. I don't know, it's been stressful lately. So um, the first game was rough. We played four group stages and four easy games, but I think I had a really tough time in all four games, um, mentally, I would say. Um, but, other, but but I feel like it was a lot, of, um, a lot of pressure from a lot of, you know, sometimes there's entities we play for that sort of have to, you know, um, oof. Uh, <laughs> sorry guys, I was just kind of putting stuff out and I failed, but there was a lot of pressure from the team and the management and, you know, um, I had recovered from an injury um, uh, a while back, so there was that this fear of injury at that point, there was so many new clubs playing and then there's some competitive ones and um, I think it, I just, you know, went in, next thing you know, we have this happening and um, 
I was actually out with friends um, the night before it happened. Actually, the evening it happened, and um, we were going to hang out. And my friends were like, "Why don't you stay late?" And I'm like, "No, I have a game tomorrow." And um, I picked up my phone to leave, and I checked that the federation had been um, taken over, and the championship was canceled. And that kind of like, I was like, "Screw everything! Screw everything! I'm out of here." I'm not playing this anymore. I'm not doing. I'm not running the show anymore. I don't want to be in this country anymore. Um, I feel like I felt a lot of disrespect, not on a personal point of view, but like the whole, um, you know, idea. The idea that the championship was happening, the vision that we had. I felt a lot of disrespect towards, you know, the goals that could have been set uh, or were set, and just, you know, weren't able to follow through. But um, a lot of players on the team, a lot of players on other teams were. Um, especially after this turnover, they, they were very stressed out, very sort of emotionally, emotionally weak. I would say they had gotten, and it wasn't it wasn't on them because you know they've been training for months and you know, everybody from all the teams and coming all the way, um, you know. And then at the end, some of the teams, some players just want to play, so they participate, they keep on playing, um, and some of us just, you know, it's about time we we do something about it. So here we are, and here you are talking to us about it. <laughs> Absolutely, and something you said there, which, which which really struck a chord for me, is the mental aspect of the game is often overlooked. The pressures that come with being a captain or a leader is something that we all have to sometimes consider. But when we're actually in those shoes, a lot comes with it. Away from the game, when you reach the highest levels and you represent your country and you're able to showcase your talent on and off the field, how has it been for you being able to cope with the pressure of being someone that people look up to, especially the younger girls or the ones who have just started? Um, so growing up, I was absolutely shy and introverted, super quiet. Um, I, I started running track at 11 and basically that was my first ever competition, international competition. That was a half marathon and I ran and I was okay and everything is good and it ended well. And then eventually, you know, when I started um, sort of um, when I got into football, I think there was actually, I think two or three years that I would still text my friends, text my same teammates in the same room because I was like super introverted mm-hmm. and just, you know, cannot be in somebody's, anybody's business. Um, but then, you know, when I was, when back in 2018, when I was surprisingly announced vice captain, I had not seen it coming because I was, you know, just, just into my game, just going to come train, play hard and leave. Um, that's when I kind of felt like there was a slight sense of responsibility, even the slightest, because now I had like a supervisor, like a captain that I had to sort of assist. Um, two years later, I was made captain and I think um, it, ha- it, it had a lot to do with what I had learned from my captain at that point. And um, just, you know, um, empathizing that leads from my point of view, uh, but also from theirs and, you know, just sort of it was tough, you know, it's it's not just on the field that you have to work team around, it's just off the field also because, um, and then there's the media that's onto you, there's, um, you're answerable to, uh, you have to be answerable to a lot of people, um, you have to be, you know, uh, deep in touch with most of the players, see what's going on, almost all the players, um, in touch with the coaches, in touch with the managers, and so like there's different levels of, um, I would say, empathy that kind of, you know, goes around. The graph is all over the place. Um, so I feel like it took a lot of um, strength to uh, come out of the cocoon that I was, you know, I had uh, sort of evolved in over the years as an athlete. And um, 
and I think it, it went pretty well. It went pretty well, and uh, I think uh, it's just it's incredible the kind of respect you get because there's no point, you know, bossing people around just because I'm gap and using it to my uh, advantage and all that stuff. It's just you know I'm able to gain that respect from a lot of people, a lot of young players, um, and I think um, now that I have a voice, um, there's much more to come for them if not for me anymore. Absolutely. Coming up next, we're not done with the national team yet. We've got a lot more coming up. So make sure you stay tuned on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show with Umar Paduri on Pulse 95. Oh, he loves the this is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! It's time! Salam, welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. I'm your host, coming everything sport, international and local. It's been an absolute honor to have members from the Pakistani women's national team here with me today. We've got Khadija, Zara, Hajra, Sara, and Mashal. And uh, speaking of Mashal, actually, uh, Mashal, player power has often been discussed in the past, but in this case, it happens to be very, very positive. What stand have you had to make as players to do what's right for the Pakistani football team? It's a big question, but thank you for it. Um, I think in terms of just stands, um, we had, a, I think... Just in the sequence of events and the way that it played out, um, what, what happened, as Khadija mentioned, you know, previously that there was a there was a, a local government faction that sort of came in and ousted the FIFA appointed faction, not not faction, the FIFA appointed group that was set to run the tournament. And at this point, as a player, you're thinking, hmm, you know, some there's one thing that that seems to be a wrong. And there's one thing that you know seems to be a natural right. Um, how do I feel about this? And it was, I think, in this moment that this is this is why I think the, the six of us kind of really banded together because we felt that there was something that we could say at this point to kind of um, to kind of make it known that players do have a choice in in you know voicing their feelings about what is happening in the sport and so positive player power is is um just just a caveat player power is often misunderstood it's sometimes seen as a temper tantrum or popularity contest it's not always the case positive player power has um even historically it has it has had an impact on how the the sport might be governed in favor of the players not necessarily the politics that run the game and so for us um this this seemed like this seemed like an opportunity to stand up for what we felt um, and, we, and we felt strongly what was right, um, and so uh, we ch- chose actively to take a stance here and and just sit this you know sit this tournament out or sit the next what was to come out and um, and in doing so again you know our aim wasn't to say oh we're against you but we're with you and we don't believe in you but we believe in you and it wasn't any any sort of that wasn't the motive. The motive was truly, um, you see, when 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 the two bodies that were at play were sort of competing for for power, what happens is that the teams are put in 
are sort of forced in a position to, to take sides as well. And when teams are forced to take sides, um, inevitably so are the players because that's that's how teams work. Um, but ideally, players should have a voice in, in those you know in, in that system as well. And if that voice is ignored, worse if it's silenced. Um, where, you know, where does that leave the integrity of the game? If we're for pawns for someone else's agenda, and so I think um, in that, just in that space, our our stance was to, to band together, um, to, to stay united in how we thought to go forward. And even if it was just, to be honest, even at that point, it was just six of us. Um, what is six among you know these four hundred players who were playing the tournament? But what was different this time was that the six of us didn't come from like one group of friends. We are we play on different teams. We are from different places. Um, but the six of us saw, uh, you know, saw the scenario the same way, and we felt that it was the time to sort of um, use positive player power uh, to say to say something. Mm, absolutely. You know, one thing being a, a fan, and that's what I'm going to call myself right now. So yeah, you guys have another fan. Being a fan on the other side uh, and watching you guys from the start of the tournament, um, being able to observe what you guys did and uh, and almost like watching a movie, except I had a, maybe a little bit of an emotional attachment to part of the movie uh, by the name of Maria, who people know about. Um, the thing is watching you girls get together and get stronger as the tournament even being on opposite teams, seeing images, seeing things on Instagram, um, showed me that there was more to this than just the game. Uh, how has this been in a positive sense from this experience with a lot of negativity and toxicity and politics? What have you taken from it positively? This is open to anyone. Go ahead. I can go. <laughs> All right. Um, it, I was just thinking about this. I think the the first night that we um, were going through this, um, and I, I think I really needed a break, and I was doing some yoga, and I thought about, okay, you know, there's something positive that's there that's coming out of this. And I was one thing that I was really glad about. This is, I think, on a Saturday that we combined uh, a game. And I was really glad that I could be on the pitch with all of these people who are planning all of this. And I think it kind of, for me, football and life go hand in hand. So when you align on some sort of life um, level, you also align on the pitch really well. Um, and I think that it was a privilege that I was really glad to have experienced. And I hope I get to do that much more. Um, but it was also just to define the fact that we all align on something. So that support, especially in this country, it's been very difficult to sustain your passion for football and try and do something that is, you know, that develops the industry. And I know we've been doing it in our own ways and it's been, I think, exhausting, but I think um, I'm really glad that, you know, there are more people. Uh, I think that really helps. And while the hope is being, I mean, taken away, I suppose, at a federation level, Restore, um, hope is also being restored at like the grassroots level for us because you know finding this that's opportunity and I think I've been very grateful for that 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Masha, I knew you wanted to say something. She stole my point, but basically <laughs> the 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 good thing, and I'll tell you, uh, for me, the good thing is almost twofold. So just so you know, for context, I broke my toe in the like the, the, the days just prior to the first game. So I was sitting out, um, unfortunately, this tournament. And I really, I wish no, I, I never will wish upon anyone the kind of FOMO that a player goes through when they're right, during competition. Um, but no, I didn't jinx us. <laughs> um, give send a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, so just, just to say, um, going into this tournament, my where I was was a little bit different from perhaps where you guys um, you know, were at that time. Um, just because I think the, the injury sort of I mean, it it, uh, it devastated my toe, but dude, it devastated my heart way more. Um, I think um, the positive thing for me, and I felt it so tangibly this this time, is that the football space, um, and, and we were all in Karachi, the football space for the first time in, in my now almost going into 11 years of working in it, felt like a community. It We can have different ideas. And we can disagree on a lot of, you know, um, even football things. But in this, in this moment, in this, in this one positive action that we took, it was reassuring in a way that, that, you know, I, I, I truly, I haven't felt that. And it, it to not feel that in 10 years is a long thing. It's a long time and it's a big thing. So I felt that. And it's, it's such a strong positive feeling that it in you know kind of um it is hard to keep your hope going in a country like this when when things get randomly shut down and it feels like you're always uh swimming against the tide but this um but this truly like it feels like it will it will go a long way um and and, and that that's one one of the biggest positives and the second one which again could be just stole is that to give you context we played a friendly game the day our game was cancelled, um, we, we were meant to play a quarterfinal game. The day our game was cancelled, we decided, hey, we're all game and geared to play. Let's put together a friendly game um, with with people from different teams um, against one team that, you know, um, well, they wanted to stay intact as a team and we, the rest of us decided to, to play against them. And it was, and just to say what Kay said, I, I saw this match from the outside. I, I'm like, unfortunately didn't get to play it but what i saw what i saw was was something amazing what i saw was something that i had wished i had seen like five years ago i wish but um but i saw a solidarity and, and to, to case point when you align outside you're able to communicate more effectively inside and it was so obvious it, it was so beautifully obvious that it kind of made like it was it was one of the it was one of my most favorite things to come out of this like this whole this whole nationals time that we've spent fantastic i gotta say something actually before we wrap up we've almost reached full time on the halftime show um and i said this to you off air actually before we started i said that i think what you women are standing for is far beyond just the present i think it's, it comes down to the legacy that you're setting by standing strong together as much as it seems like the ball has to be rolling on the pitch the ball is actually rolling a lot faster now that you're not moving it and i think that's really really important that you stay strong and stand together thierry Henry at the moment 
has chosen to stand off from social media to stand up for what he believes in. It's not relevant if he's not got other people standing with him. And what's amazing about you girls is you've got together and stood strong for something that's far bigger than just the 90 minutes. And so from someone who's just a fan, I'm super proud of what you girls have stood for. And I also believe, and call me an optimist, but I also believe this is not the last time we're going to hear about the success story and the legacy that you're going to be creating by standing strong together. And from, from out here in the UAE, we definitely, we definitely feel that you don't only have yourselves, you have all of us supporting you as well. And I'd like to thank you for coming on the show as well and being strong enough to speak about it uh, on the Halftime Show. Uh, Hadra, when you do end up coming today, you're going to take me shirt shopping because that shirt is sharp. <laughs> Loving I that might shirt. have to get it stitched for you. I, I, get my, I get my t-shirts, all of my shirts stitched, so I'll get some stitch for you. I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that. Okay. We're going to make sure you get me. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a reset t-shirt as well. Okay. So we can go hand in hand. Uh, Apart from that, thank you very much for tuning in. I know it's not live on Instagram as it normally is on a Saturday, three to four. However, I thought this is a special edition of the halftime show. And obviously the national team players couldn't be here with us in Sharjah in the UAE. So instead we went on Zoom and sorry for all those who normally tune in at Omar Drew on Instagram or Pulse95 Radio or YouTube. But don't worry, you can always catch the podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Angami. Or if you prefer a visual and want to see the women on the show as well, head over to the YouTube channel. You've got Pulse95 Radio. Type in hashtag Halftime Show, and we are there. Ladies, all the best. I salute you. Peace and love. Blessings. And thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Omar. Thank you. Thanks. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m.